This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. founder of the Revolve Fund. And when black and brown people launch businesses, we know that they do so understanding that they may have to struggle to get capital. Literally uh, what we've been talking about all morning. And while many have pivotal products to offer the community without funding, we know their businesses cannot scale. And here is why the Revolve Fund is necessary. They offer recoverable grants to BIPOC entrepreneurs and the terms for accessing capital and the process for being approved are much more easy to navigate than are the traditional pathways uh, to traditional banks or foundations. Uh, Walsh created this fund in 2020, also a very auspicious time, and has raised $1.9 million and has deployed around 560000 thus far. This is a U.S. philanthropic initiative that provides patient, interest-free capital uh, to black, Latinx, indigenous, and other people of color-led businesses. Uh, Mr. Walls, it is a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, no, and his microphone is not working. He didn't miss that wonderful introduction I just gave him. Well, darn it. Okay, so he's rejoining. All right, so he is going to give us a call. So let's go ahead and give him some time. He's going to call in, and I'm going to ask him to stay on the camera so we can still see him if he's able to do so. And if not, uh, we will we'll make adjustments as necessary. But one of the reasons this conversation is so timely is because of what we just mentioned with regards to the Fearless Fund. And uh, the Revolve Fund itself, again, as I mentioned, created in 2020, intentionally designed to meet the needs of groups that are traditionally excluded traditionally not funded traditionally not allowed to get access is that are we is that happening and it's live so you know so as we're checking and and as the operators try to help out as well uh we recognize that this is a really big problem it's a really big problem area because we are if you can't get access to capital it doesn't matter how amazing your products are if you can't get access to capital it doesn't matter how great your business service is or customer service is you're going to have difficulty being able to really expand and grow your business this matters now, the Revolve Fund is also significant because, again, as I mentioned, they are meeting the needs of groups that have gone unmet. But in this era that we're in right now, it's particularly important, particularly important because we are at a time when uh, black women are being told that the funds that they founded are not able to do the work that they were designed to do. And so uh, never more than a time, never, I was going to say no more than now, but that's not what I wanted to say. I was like, uh, a time more, y'all know what I'm trying to say. It ain't never been no more important than it is right now. That's what I was trying to say to be able to have a conversation about this effort. Uh, Mr. Walls, are you able to hear me now? I'm, I'm told that you have connected with the phone. Can you hear me? I can hear now. Awesome. All right. So I don't know how much of what you just said. I'm just going to ask you to trust me that I gave you a great introduction because I did. Um, so, so the audience. Loves I believe it. I believe it. All right. All right. Talk with us, sir. We've been mentioning how uh, other funds that are trying to do what it is that you're doing, uh, targeting these groups that are traditionally not uh, able to get their needs met. They're coming under fire. Talk with us about the very important role that Revolve Fund plays and, and what you see in terms of your strategy, perhaps needing to adjust as you navigate the news uh, related to other funds doing similar work? Yes. Um, so one, thank you for having me on the show. Um, the first thing I want to say about Revolve is very much, it comes from the philanthropic world. So um, and my background comes from philanthropy and impact investing. And so when I thought about Revolve, I thought about how can I provide the most flexible capital I can using the philanthropic tools that I 
um, I'm accustomed to using and have implemented um, in a past to support um, entrepreneurs of color. And so if you look at um, philanthropy and you look at the, the laws and regulations of philanthropy, you will see that there's a lot of discretion given to philanthropic entities uh, to provide capital for a charitable purpose. And so because of that, um, with the nonprofit law, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of freedom to support entrepreneurs of color. And so to, so to do that, um, I identify that there's a lack of capital access for folks of color. Um, and it's definitely in, in, in regions around the country. Um, also, um, I you know note the disparities that we all know when it comes to getting capital access to banks and other traditional financial sources. And because of that, Revolve Fund has a charitable purpose that's that's regulated and and is, and is legal and lawful uh, to support people of color. And just to, on on this note, I just want to note that you know much of the things that are happening right now um, in, in the courts um, has not changed what you can do to support uh, folks of color, um, especially if you're trying to increase capital access for them. And so I just want to note that, that there may be more fear, more fear right now than actual reality in, in terms of change. So let's talk about this, because by going through the nonprofit arena, we know that there's often nonprofit considerations or if in, within the philanthropic space, there are often considerations yeah. for these very underserved groups. So is it your understanding that because you are within the nonprofit space, the 501c3 space of, the, of, of how your industry or your, your organization operates, that you are going to be protected and insulated from some of these other concerns that may be more targeted towards venture capitalists generally? Well, I, I can't I can't say that um, okay. because I, I will I will fully admit that I, I'm probably not a legal expert on all aspects related to nonprofit law. But what I can say is that there's a long history of precedent to for me uh, to do what I do um, at Revolve Fund. So many of the, the infrastructures that you see, including community community development financial institutions, uh, banks, um, CRA, many of these things. Um, are, are the things that I utilize as I think about um, implementing Revolve Fund strategies. So let's talk about Revolve Fund specifically. That That is great news, and, and we're going to continue to pray that that continues to be the case. Uh, let's talk about Revolve Fund specifically. Started in 2020. Was this before or after the, the great uh, outpouring, the summer of, of disaster, whatever you want to call it, the America's racial awakening? Uh, what was the, the triggering moment for you to actually go forward with launching your fund? So actually, my, my journey started uh, before um, the, the summer of 2020. Um, you know, through my roles at the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, at the Annie Casey Foundation, some of which we talked about in the last interview, um, I already worked on strategies to support entrepreneurs of color um, in a variety of different ways, whether it was using grant tools or impact investment tools. And so for me, this was just an evolution, um, a continuation of the same work that I was doing in the past. Um, in 2020, um, I was really thinking about how to use the recoverable grant tool. Um, so I am, as folks may or may not know, the recoverable grant tool is a philanthropic tool that, that can be utilized to provide extremely flexible capital for projects that are looking to uh, develop proof of concepts or in, or in spaces where traditional investment capital may not work. And so when I was able to kind of uh, figure out the design that I wanted to, to, to test out. It, it happened to be during the time of 2020, but that conversation for me happened before then. 
Let's talk about recoverable grants. And I got to say, I, I'm, and this might sound a little cheeky, but the fact that we actually have a black-led organization started in 2020 that wasn't in response to all of this feels really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's good to hear. Uh, but let's talk I'm about not, it was, it was a, a partial catalyst, but the conversation yeah. started before, so to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. That is, I mean, not that I'm mad at it. I'm just saying I appreciate <laughs> We often forget that there was work being done before the Summer of America's racial, whatever we want to call it. Uh, but let's talk about recoverable grants. That's a new f- term for some people. Can you explain how they work and how you're able to implement them at scale? Sure. Um, so recoverable grants really are just uh, a grant. So, the you know, I always tell people the noun of the term is grant. So when you think of grant, it means you you are receiving receiving capital. The recoverable part comes uh, comes into play when we're trying to figure out ways like when you achieve certain milestones, certain success markers, um, or if you have reached a certain point where that capital is not needed for your business or your entity or your project then we're asking you to return that capital back so we can provide that capital to, to somebody else. Um, so this, it's not a loan. Uh, we don't have covenants. We're not coming after people. Um, we take on the burden of identifying projects that we think are going to scale and grow and entrepreneurs and nonprofit leaders that we have trust in to, to use our capital um, in a way that's aligned with Revolve's mission. And when they reach a certain milestone that they can then return that capital back to us. That's amazing. Talk with, t- let us know some of the projects that you've funded, some of the groups that you've partnered with so that people can get a sense as to how diverse your portfolio is right now. Yes. Um, so just to, just to know, we, we, we fund both nonprofit um, entities and for-profit entities. And we also wow. uh, fund intermediaries, which are those in- institutions or companies that are aggregating capital and deploying capital out for, mm. for mission-aligned purposes. Uh, so we can do direct, and we call it direct and indirect uh, grant making. And so some of the things that you have seen, for example, is um, one, one company um, actually reached out to me after our first interview. Huh. Um, so yes, so Strong, so Strong Children Wellness is a, um, is a medical practice out of New York that focuses on bringing practice to the community, bringing their medical practice in the community. Um, so, that's, so, that's, so we provided wow. grants. They've received a lot of funding from a, a number of different um, sources, but that's, that's one example of a grant. Another recovery grant is we, we supported an emerging intermediary that provides financing to co-ops. And so we were one of the first outside funders to support um, their effort um, so, so for us, we we fund uh, a, across the map. Um, we just funded um, a nonprofit in, in Baltimore that provides uh, screen printing training for youth. Um, so, when they are looking to to kind of um, develop the entrepreneurial skills, um, this entity provides the program and a revenue model um, at the same time to support support that effort. So, so again, for us, we just look for really interesting strategies that we think that are scalable and leaders that we think are dynamic and we can support them uh, through our, our grant making. 
I absolutely love that. Shout out to the groups that called after they heard about you, because that's one of the reasons we want people like you on this show is so that people are aware that there are so many opportunities out there that they just may not have run across. Now, when we're talking about the nonprofit side of your grantees, we're going to put the for-profit aside for just a minute. And I'm putting my nonprofit administrator hat on because I've been in this industry long enough to know that when people hear nonprofit, they never think about nonprofits reaching a profit point. They, there's never a, we, we seem to always think about them constantly in need of money, but you are looking for organizations that have a need in this moment, but have projects that will ultimately be able to produce some sort of revenue. Can you talk with us about sort of the intricacies of that from the nonprofit side? Because I know there's a whole lot of nonprofit workers right now talking about how we gonna pay it back. It's a grant. We don't make money. That's the whole point. Give, give us some insight into that. Yeah, so so for us, you know, when we see nonprofits, you, you've actually within the conversations of nonprofit, we hear terms of like sustainability, long-term sustainability. Yep. Like, how is a nonprofit going to be sustainable outside of their their core traditional grants that they are receiving? Especially as philanthropy may reduce the grant making for that particular interest, as they you know may move to another shiny red ball, which, which right. happens oftentimes in, in philanthropy, as as many folks on this call. Um, no, uh, but what we have what we have seen is that that many nonprofits are identifying new sources of revenue, be, beyond grant making. So, for example, certain government funding programs, especially with the influx of government funding, um, oftentimes it takes a long time for government funding to flow from one source to the nonprofit, and there's usually a gap in terms of time and resources that needs to be filled by somebody or someone. Um, and so for us, for Revolve Fund, that offers an opportunity to provide bridge financing wow. that doesn't cost the nonprofit a whole lot of money as they're waiting on maybe their earned, uh, earned tax income credits or if they're waiting on certain funding. So we, so we can provide bridge financing um, that does mm. not cost um, that nonprofit. So that's one way wow. we do it. The another way that we try to su- support nonprofits is identify within their overall um, maybe revenue streams, which ones are reoccurring? Which ones where they're able to drive if they're providing services? For example, if you're a direct service nonprofit and you're providing services and receiving revenue, or if you are doing something or providing some type of product that you are, are creating revenue, those are areas that we can identify ways to support. So we can think about overall bridge financing for a nonprofit, but then we could also provide funding directly to support a project that is uh, generating revenue. That is amazing. And and I just was finishing reading up an article this morning uh, within New York City and New York State about how much concern there is in the nonprofit space because it take, you might get an award January 1, you're not going to get the payout until November. And yet you've got to provide funding. You have to provide the services <laughs> starting on, on perhaps June 1st. So, so not being able to have access to the funds that are going to help carry you. And for smaller nonprofits, being able to get access to a loan is untenable because those loans come with costs. And so something like a service like this is really right up the alley of what people I know, at least in one jurisdiction, are definitely in need of. So get ready for more calls from New York is what I'm trying to say. Uh, So we're talking about how your fund operates. One of the things that you guys focus on is the unique nature of your model. For people who are are still learning about this industry from the beginning, or perhaps they're they're not, they've been in their particular uh, end of the industry for so long, they may not be clear as to uh, how some of these 
how folks like yourself are kind of able to innovate in, in ways that and build on the experiences you had at traditional philanthropic spaces. How are how is it that you differentiate yourself from other groups that are doing similar work uh, who are either investing in nonprofits or for profits? But you all have a, a really unique vantage point. Talk with us about why what you're doing and how you're doing it is so unique, particularly in light of the times we're in today. So um, I've been fortunate enough to have funders, you know, as we kind of built out this pilot that gave me um, a lot of discretion in terms of design, um, not a lot of restrictions in how I provide the capital, where I provide the capital, or how I utilize the capital. And mm -hmm. I recognize um, that's often an exception for, for nonprofits and, and philanthropic um, strategies. And so, you know, I, I'm thankful to those funders who gave me the opportunity um, to do that. But where Revolve, um, I think, is really unique is that um, oftentimes when we think of like the capital spectrum, so we may start with like microfinancing um, or you may or you think about your own capital with folks like who are bootstrapping, um, mm -hmm. whether if it's a nonprofit or for-profit, because um, oftentimes people of color are putting their own capital and they even start nonprofits because they identify a need and they want to serve um, that 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 population before they even get any outside funding. Um, mm -hmm. So we oftentimes see folks who put their own capital um, into the nonprofit because they're so passionate about the mission that they are, are seeking to, to carry through. Mm -hmm. um, there's still a gap. So even if you put your capital in and you're, now you're trying to think about, okay, I'm trying to get outside financing. So I'm trying to go to the community development financial institution for a loan. If I'm trying to go to the bank for a small loan, or if you're on the for-profit side, you've identified potential capital sources, whether they're venture or, or non-venture capital sources, there's still, there's still a gap there. And that's mm -hmm. the gap that Revolve Fund often fills. Um, so we're like, um, we may not be your immediate friends and family, but we're like that, you know, one removed friends mm -hmm. and family funding. So when we're coming in to step in, we provide one, the capital, two, the expertise of the advisory board, myself, um, and my statewide um, industry partner um, or fiscal sponsor, Maryland Philanthropy Network, we become your partners as well. So we become your extended family. Um, mm. And so we try to do the soft introductions to funders and, and, and other potential investors um, as you kind of build out your product. Uh, we provide critiques and feedback on, on, on strategies, but without judgment though. We, we're wow. doing this because we want to invest our money in you, but we're also investing ourselves um, mm. into you. And so for us, that makes us a little, it makes us a little different. Yeah. Um, we are going along the journey with you um, in this strategy. And sometimes, you know, we may push back um, and critique certain aspects of, of, of a revenue model or a strategy. But in reality, what we're doing is preparing you not for us, for that next funder mm. or that next investor that's coming into, um, into. So, so for us, you know, we we don't see ourselves as as, as just a funder. We see our, ourselves as truly like as a partner as you navigate whatever capital spectrum that you're about to go navigate with your project. You know, last week, shout out to Assembly, State Assembly Member Stephanie Zinnerman, who last week held a convening for nonprofit leaders, and I had a chance to attend. Then uh, there was a sister there. She had just started an organization, and she said, I keep applying for grants, and I, I qualify for everything, but then I get down. She had just started. And she's like, I could get down right to the very bottom, and they asked me what my annual budget is. And she said, I haven't cracked the 100K mark yet. I'm working on suicides in black youth and preventing suicides. And actually, I'm trying to get her on the show. And she's like, I'm working to prevent suicides in black youth. I can't crack that nut. 
And I'm realizing as much innovation as we have seen in the funding space and as many uh, times as it makes my heart glad to see people like you doing this work, you're right. There is still gaps and there are still needs for people um, to have access to resources like what the Revolve Fund provides. How can people who are listening right now who I anticipate are taking down notes say like, okay, get to the good stuff. I need contact information. How do we find him? Where is his fund located? What's the best way for people who are interested to reach out to you and see? Now, do they have to wait for a letter of invitation or give us just a hint as to how people can connect with yeah, you? Yeah. Um, so uh, what we do is that we take all ideas. Um, so if you go to revolvefund.org, um, you go to the website, you can go to our email, admin at revolvefund.org. We also have a submit inquiry page on, on the site is that we take in um, all ideas. And so we only, you know, to be clear, we only respond to ones that we think are ready for like the second level of review. Um, as we think of our portfolio, we do have, you know, relatively limited capacity. Um, and so we try to be very mindful of, of people's time. Um, but um, what we do is we just, we always review the pipeline. We see who's in the pipeline. We identify uh, if we have funding budget for it. And if we do, we will reach out and then we will uh, start that conversation. I will also say that um, many times that we review, if we feel like it's not a fit for Revolve, if we identify a no partner that, that mm. makes sense, we will, then I will personally oftentimes reach out to you uh, for a conversation so I can refer you to um, someone who I think may be helpful. Um, there are many times that we, we receive recoverable grant requests um, from, from individuals and they had wonderful projects, the highly, highly built, high quality projects but they, they didn't need recoverable grant funding. Mm. Um, what they needed was a connection to industry or they exactly. needed a connection to someone that we thought could be helpful for them. And we, we would make that connection. Um, so, it's, so it's interesting, you know, when foundations ask me to track the number of technical assistance or business support hours um, for, for Revolve, I focus on my portfolio, but in reality, it's double to that because many of the mm. people that we don't provide recover grants to, we are still trying to connect them to um, resources and entities that can help them in the future. James Wallace, this is one of the reasons why we like having you on this show, because you remind us, like, let's be balanced, let's be intentional, and let's be really good at what we do, and you are really good at what you do. You can learn more about Revolve Fund at revolvefund.org, and I'd just like to point out, there's also a donation button that you can go to for those of you who want to support the work that uh, Mr. Wallace is doing. You can also hit the Support Revolve button, and then you can indicate whether you're a philanthropy or a corporate entity or an individual donor. They take it from everybody, so uh, there's that. Uh, Mr. Walls, it is always a pleasure to have you on this show. Thank you for doing this work. You've given me some hope, and I realize that as difficult as things are right now, there are ways that we can navigate this space as long as we are nimble enough to remember that by rooting in community, we really are our greatest source of strength in many ways. Thank you for being with us today. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. 